Welcome to the fifth episode of the second season of Heart to Heart with Michael, a program for the bereaved community. Our purpose is to empower our community with resources, support, and advocacy information. This season's theme is a celebration of life, and we feel fortunate to have Rachel Greenbaum on the program today. Today's show is Loving Dad, Continuing the Creativity. We'll be talking with Rachel Greenbaum about her father, her religion, and how today she'll be honoring her father. And we'll finish up our show by talking with Rachel about how the father's creativity is being passed on to future generations and what that means for her. Rachel Greenbaum is the daughter of the late horror and speculative novelist T.M. Wright's first marriage to Sally Edwards. She has lived in Israel for over 30 years, for the most part in Jerusalem. Rachel made Aliyah mainly out of a mixture of idealism, rebellion, and personal necessity. Rachel is married and has three children, all in their 20s. Her daughter is enrolled in the creative writing project at Tel Aviv University. Rachel paints and draws, as her father did, and even on occasion writes a little bit too. Once, many years ago, Rachel's father even published one of her poems in his poetry journal. Today, we'll be commemorating her father and his many talents and the way his gifts are still living on today. Rachel, welcome to Heart to Heart with Michael. I appreciate the opportunity to be here, to talk to you. What's your fondest memory of your father? It's kind of strange because my fondest memory of him is when I got in touch with him again after our relationship was suspended when between the ages of two and 16. He, um, he took me for a driving lesson and I was actually afraid to go through puddles, but he put on music that I had never heard. He put on Jack, Jack Brel, the French singer, and then he put on... I'll never forget this. Albanoni Zadagio. And as the uncouth 16-year-old that I was, I said to him, who was Albanoni? <laughs> and it was kind of new in my life that he could set me straight on something so artistic and cerebral. I didn't, I, I love my mother very much, but we have a different kind of relationship and different strengths. And um, this was new. This was something that I remember even now. Um, that's my fondest memory. There are others. You drive through puddles now. Does that come back? <laughs> no. <laughs> it, it comes back when I hear Jacques Brel. Oh. Well, what, every, what every single time when I hear Jacques Brel. Is there anything specific? What was he playing? Do you remember? If you leave me, I can't, I don't want to mangle the French, but I think it's a piquita, something like that. Piquita um, ah, sure. If you leave me, it's been translated into many languages, and he knew it in the French, I think, from my grandmother who spoke French a little. Um, uh, and that's, that's really, when I really sat down and thought about it, that was my fondest memory. Your closeness with your father was an on and off affair. Um, yes. For a number of years, he wasn't there. Then around 16, he was back. So mm -hmm. how did you find out that he died? And were you able to do anything about it at the time? It's a very, very strange story, as I told you, how I found out that he died. Um, I had a strange... I, our contact had been cut off between us again, as it had been fractured and fragmented for many years. But I kept having a very bad feeling about him. And then... One night, I just, I put in Wikipedia to see what was new with books, too, and one word changed it all. It was, mm. T.M. Wright was an American novelist. Mm -hmm. The third word in Google is, is either is or was. That's the tip-off. Oh. Yes, yes. And that's, um, that's the word that changes everything. Is it an is or a was? And that's when I got in contact with my aunt, my aunt Danielle Hines who will be listening to this faithfully, I'm sure, um, intently. And 
that's 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 found out. It was a bad feeling that I just had to find to find out about, even after contact had been suspended again, because it was just a very difficult relationship. Um, and it, it threw me for a loop for a very long time. And in spite of it being a difficult relationship, um, what were you um, what were you getting? What were you what was making you think that you needed to check anything specific? Really? Just to- okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was having nightmares. I was having nightmares. Mm-hmm. I was. My father was a horror writer. I'm sure that this would have amused him in a way. <laughs> um, I was having nightmares, and occasionally, I know people are going to say this can't be, but I did feel that there was a presence in my house. Mm-hmm. I felt it was a male presence, and I thought it wasn't there to harm me. And even sometimes, it seemed to me it was amused. <laughs> <laughs> I would As be he would certainly have been amused. <laughs> I have been amused he, in your house many a time. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 That yeah. he, here, here's the horror writer who wrote his whole life about ghosts. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But I, it's just a bad feeling I had that something terrible had happened, uh, and it turned out that he had died on um, Halloween. Appropriate. A horror writer who died on Halloween, yeah. Totally appropriate. Yeah. You planned it. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. But... <laughs> I don't think so either, but it's totally appropriate. I've read his works. And that is, and it is appropriate, that, isn't it? It's, it's, it is appropriate. It's the perfect way. It's the perfect way. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to show you. I have to find the book, but the, the teenagers breaking into a crypt on uh, on Halloween. <laughs> And I reread that after a couple of months later when I could handle it again. Um, that's it how seemed, I found out. It was a it feeling. Seemed, it seems that karma bit him on the leg on that one. Uh, I guess it did. I guess if you court something your whole life, you know. Well, if you court a, a thing like that your whole life, sometimes it's going to get you. You're sometime you're you're going to be part of the plot. Let's say. Well, that's a very interesting, uh, very interesting approach. I'm, and and I, I never actually, I never, I never met him. Uh, and I've met, I've mm-hmm. met your mom, and I've, I know your whole family. Uh, I can just assume it was one of those crazy kind of constellations where things like that come together. Home tonight, forever by the Baby Blue Sound Collective. I think what I love so much about this CD is that some of the songs were inspired by the patients. Many listeners will understand many of the different songs and what they've been inspired by. Our new album will be available on iTunes, Amazon.com, Spotify. I love the fact that the proceeds from this CD are actually going to help those with congenital heart defects. Enjoy the music. Home Tonight Forever. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on Michael's program, please email him at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to our program. Let's just go back a little bit. How old were you when you made Aliyah? And why did you make that decision? And for those who don't know, making Aliyah means moving to Israel from any place in the world that's not Israel. Um, I came here to study when I was 17 and I stayed. <laughs> uh, my, 
that had been my purpose, really. I went to a Jewish day school as a kid, and they kind of indoctrinated me, and I decided to to try to live here, even like when I was 12, even. And it was that intense indoctrination. That's good. I, um, I didn't know you had that in your background, that you had the, the day school. I went to, yeah, I went from second through sixth grade. I went to a Hillel school. Oh, wow. I was active in NCSY as a teenager, yeah. And although I was more on the conservative side at the time, but everybody went there, so I did too. Um, but I came here after high school when I was 17 and um, to study at the Mechina, um, the preparatory program for university here, and I stayed. Um, that's what I wanted, and it, it fit in with the fact that my life as a teenager and my home life had been to put it mildly, fractured and fragmented and very, very complicated with home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I met my father again when I was almost 16. Mm-hmm. My mother reintroduced him to my life and he really, really thanked her for it. Um, that was already when you were here or just before you came? Just before, just came. before I came here. Just oh. before I came here. A couple, uh, two years before I came here, a year and a half, two years before I came here. Yeah. Something like that. Um, I can't say that uh, meeting him influenced me coming here or not. It was something that I had planned and not planned on doing anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to ask you something else. Your connection to Judaism uh, is, of course, through your mother. Your father was not Jewish. So no. when you found out that he had died, was there a decision to sit Shiva? Are you allowed to do that? Are you not allowed to do that? Did you ask? And what really happened? I got in contact with um, with two friends who were both, and one's a conservative rabbi, Chaya Bekel, mm. and uh, yeah, and um, I also talked to my friend Dalia Malks, Rabbi Dalia Malks, right. about it a little bit. And what what do you do? What do people do? And they both told me they knew of people like that, one parent, sometimes both parents. And, um, they came up with some ideas. Chaya came up with some ideas that sounded a little bit like a wake, actually, because my father had been raised Catholic. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a memorial. Nobody, nobody held any kind of memorial for him. And it, and it really disturbed me. I, I felt like yeah. whatever the relationship was, I, I wanted a human life to have something. And mm-hmm. so I've sort of adopted, um, uh, I guess we want to talk about this already. I've sort of adopted doing a, uh, a candle lighting. It's actually on October 31st. Cause that is very powerful that he, <laughs> a horror oh, writer gosh. died on Halloween. It has to be October 31st. Right. And not the Jewish date because it's sort of not appropriate for it. But it is sort of a mix of traditions, I guess, because mm-hmm. I know from my aunt that um, Catholics also use a lot of candles. Mm-hmm. Candles and 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 light is a, is a big element, mm-hmm. is a big concept in all religions. So so it, it seemed appropriate. And so I, I I've been lighting candles on the anniversary of his death, and I say a kind of private prayer. I. Mm-hmm. Nobody could seem to find me anything appropriate to say, so I just do something on my own. It's interesting. Usually they have everything covered. Yeah. So this one is heard. <laughs> no, so you didn't so you were you were sort of robbed of the opportunity to sit Shiva. Yeah. Yeah. That's some people do. But um yeah, yeah. I was sort of robbed of that. It's interesting because I didn't know at the time that this had happened. I, I'm I can't also remember any great 
within our own community, people coming over and visiting and, and doing all the things that people do. So did you feel that you were sort of alone on this? I did for a while. I actually really did for a while. People sort of you know, sort of expected me to just go on regularly. And there is a, there is a, a meaning of Shiva. Shiva has meaning. It, it really does. It, it's, it's important to do. Um, and, and it was really lacking that I had nothing to, no way to commemorate, no way to remember and no way to, to sit down and think about it. That had been sanctioned somehow that everybody recognized. That's that an interesting, me. It's an interesting problem because, uh, you're, you know, far enough removed physically from the rest of his family. There's just your aunt. Uh, she's not Jewish. I actually um, have. I have oh, four aunts. <laughs> oh, I know all the other ones. I apologize. I have four aunts and an uncle. My father was a was an identical twin, oh my and God. his brother writes now too. Yeah. Okay, that's a spooky family. That's just you know, leave it like that. It's, <laughs> it's a spooky family. A little, yeah. <laughs> See what so, my Aunt Daniel writes into that, but yeah. <laughs> so you were left really with nothing to do except maybe light a candle and no, and you know the, the interesting about the interesting thing about Shiva, and we've discussed this on on earlier programs, is that um, it's designed to sort of bring you down or accompany you as you go down, and then mm-hmm. help bring you back up at the end of the week, so that you have experienced your sadness, possibly even your anger. But by the time it's over, you are beginning to get ready to come back into the community. So it's a much longer process than that. But the first seven days are really critical. You didn't have that. No. So I didn't have that. And now you light the airside candle once a year, and mm-hmm. that's what you have. Do you tell stories to your kids about? Do do did they know him? They met him. They met oh. him. They definitely met him um, twice. And uh, we stayed with him. Uh, we even went to a writer's retreat with him. He had oh, nice. a, uh, there was a cabin. That's part of what I was going to talk about later. But he there was a cabin, uh-huh. a house, a house in the woods that we went to. That's very nice. Stayed there for a weekend with him. No, after so they he did met meet them. him. After he met yeah. them, he wrote a poem, didn't he? Yes, he did. Do you want to tell me about that? Would you like to hear the poem? I we have enough time to hear that poem. Yes. <laughs> Do you conveniently have, poems, have it located actually. in front of you? I absolutely do. In fact, it's in the book that uh, I, the story was that I was standing right behind him. He stayed up all night to write, uh, to finish a book that he was working on. He wrote 25 books after all. Um, I was reading a book called The Girl in the Flammable Skirt, which is a lot like the things that he would write by Amy Bender, short stories. But he, I, I saw what he was writing over his shoulder and I wrote it into the back of the book. So I have it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to hear it? I would like to hear it. Yes. Okay. It's called In July by T.M. Wright. As far as I know, it hasn't been published anywhere. Um, These are my grandchildren, so sturdy and full of life. As loud as crows, trucks, storms, as beautiful as sunlight. They are mostly eyes and mostly mouths and mostly arms and mostly legs. Clambering about on gentle slopes in the morning and following the day from beginning to end to beginning singing the songs of their childhood and the music that is their language, songs about dinosaurs, princesses, and chocolate. Hmm. The, that, that reflects, uh, uh, there was, I have a picture at home too, and there was, they were rolling around the, the hills outside of the, 
the cabin and, and having a very good time. So they really were clambering about on gentle slopes. And uh, the songs that they were singing, I, I remember that a male, my older son, was wandering around singing an Israeli song about how he likes chocolate. Honey, <laughs> I have chocolate. There you go. <laughs> I know yeah, that song. And we, no way on earth. Yes, hear me he kept it singing it. Yeah, he kept singing it. My father was very impressed that he was so into Harry Potter too. He was. He kept reading Harry Potter the whole time. He was old enough to be doing that. So yeah, and the princesses are are Rota, my daughter, and the dinosaurs are Uri, who was fascinated, wanted to be a T Rex, I think, and, <laughs> and and moved about the house as one. Uh, he did. He did. He moved about the house as well. <laughs> we, we have a mutual neighbor, and they had a kid that they called Il Destructivo. And yeah, I, I, he was like that. Yeah, yeah. The funny part is that now he's like, you know, we talked about karma. Now he's in the army, and yeah. he's, you know, he works with uh, new recruits. So it was going to get him some help at karma. So. <laughs> well, I'm glad things like that work out. This program is a presentation of Hearts Unite the Globe and is part of the Hug Podcast Network. Hearts Unite the Globe is a nonprofit organization devoted to providing resources to the congenital heart defect community to uplift, empower, and enrich the lives of our community members. If you would like access to free resources pertaining to the CHD community, please visit our website at www.hug-podcastnetwork.com for information about CHD, the hospitals that treat children with CHD, summer camps for CHD survivors, and much, much more. I was five hours old when I had my first surgery. Wow. The only advice I can really give someone like that is to be there for your family. This is life and you have two choices. You either live it or you sit in a corner and cry. I am Anna Jaworski and the host of Heart to Heart with Anna. Join us on Tuesdays at noon Eastern Time on Spreaker, our blog talk radio. We'll cover topics of importance for the congenital heart defect community. Remember, my friends, you are not alone. I am with Origami Owl Jewelry, and we personalize lockets. It has helped me heal so much by having that locket. I've had other friends and customers who have created lockets. They love their lockets, and they gift lockets to people who are bereaved, or they're celebrating somebody. To get your own Origami Owl locket, contact Nancy Jensen on Facebook or her website, nancydancyme.origamiowl.com. You are listening to Heart to Heart with Michael. If you have a question or comment that you would like addressed on our program, please send an email to Michael Lieben at michael at hearttoheartwithmichael.com. Now, back to Heart to Heart with Michael. Rachel, you are an excellent artist, and I can attest to this personally. Your children are also writers and very creative. How do you feel that your father's talents have influenced you and your children? The influence is undeniable. That is, I'm sitting here right now in my room uh, where my daughter used to live, and now she's moved out, and the the, the paintings are all around me. Um, it's It's a world that I feel like he kind of gave me that I can immerse myself in. Um, even though I wasn't raised with him for most of the years, it, it, that contact is undeniable. It's like uh, in their writing too, that, that the almost obsessive impulse to tell a story mm-hmm. is apparently also genetic. Um, That's what I want to throw at you. And, 
do you think it's just genetic or is it also a function of your relationship that for so much of your time with him, you weren't with him? And is that, you know, some sort of, is that in some way related to the, the expression of art in all of your family? I think it is related to the expression of art in my family that he wasn't a part of our lives for so long. It's it, it, the kind of creative imagination that we have, that I have, that my children have, um, spurred us on to fill in the blanks in a way. Uh, we, we got that genetically, but it, 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 the absence spurred us on to do things with it and, and to seek him out in the end and to seek out his work. And, and, and um, I think kind of uh, reference it in a lot of things that I paint or a lot of things that I write. And I'm looking right now actually at a picture that's one of my favorite topics and all favorite subjects and all, all things that I paint is the girl at the window. I can't mm. remember if this is Picasso or Dali, and I did my own version of it. And there's something about the, that looking out over the sea about longing that mm-hmm. I guess it does inform me <laughs> that yes. uh, his absence your, does that. Your daughter, I, I knew her. I didn't know she was a writer. I know her as a singer and she's a beautiful yeah. voice. Does she still do that? She sings a little bit, but I think, um, like my father and kind of like me, I think she was in a, a framework as a teenager that um, was too much like boot camp. <laughs> mm-hmm. And she may go back to it eventually, but she always kind of feels like she's being strangled when she has to go into some kind of choir or anything. She has to, and, and instead, it's mm-hmm. funny because it came back around. Instead, she's taken on the, the side of writing. She's taken on the art of writing. Um and that's why she's enrolled to study literature. She loves literature um, at Tel Aviv. And she got into the creative writing um, department there, too. She had to hand in a bunch of poems, and I helped her with it. Uh, so, and I asked her about this. I asked her, I told her about this podcast, and I asked her if there's anything she wanted me to read. And oh. she gave me something. Oh, good. We'll so, get to that. We'll get to that very shortly. Yeah. Has she read your father's work? They've read a little bit of my father's work. Yes, they have um, some of it. Uh, there was a poem that he wrote that I gave her recently that was in a collection of his called uh, mm-hmm. Bone Soup that he only cool. published. There are only like 700 copies of it. Um, there is a copy of I think one of his last books, which was Cold House. Uh, not one of his last, considered one of his best, really, in there. And but there are also poems in there. And I gave her one of the poems to read, and she she really liked it. Um, it's funny. I think she really kind of writes like him, like I do. There's something in the style. Well, I've similar. I've read his I've read his work. It's very readable, and it it draws you right into mm-hmm. it. And you're right there while he's clearly thinking about where to go next in the story. You're trying to help him. Uh, that was my experience with Sleepies, is that he, he's presenting ideas of how things might be in, in heaven slash hell, and you want to go with it, but then it changes, and you want to help him, and you want to... So it really sucks you right in. I can, I can see why he would, you know, why, why they would be interested in that. They are, and they also have that kind of, I don't know if he would have liked the word, but that kind of spiritual bent to them, too, that especially my daughter, they... Mm-hmm. Um, wanting to know what else there is, what else happens to us, yeah. the, the, kind of the mysteries of life and death. There, he spent his whole life writing about that. Is does and, her poem uh, relate to that that she wrote? 
A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. About life. Yeah. Do you want to tell us more about the poem? you want to read it? I will read it in a second. Um, I asked her, and she gave me one poem that I thought wasn't the best. That was about her name. Um, And then she gave me another one that she she wrote, I think, inspired by a a picture of her where Mm -hmm. her father held her up when she was two and a half. It was at Oli's bris, (laughs) her brother's bris. I don't know that she knows that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I, I... she she put it all together. She mm. uh, and she wrote a poem about it. All these years later, I I put the the poems right next to each other. The one that my father wrote, his grandchildren and the princess and wow. um and hers is called My Father Promised Me. Okay. Okay. Shall I read it? Yes. Let's go. Okay. My father promised me a golden dress I could twirl in. He picked me up in his arms and smiled at me and spun me around. Our teeth are bright white in the picture, and our smiles are pink and shiny. My little hands are clutching the buttons on his dress shirt. He's spinning around with me high in the air. It all goes a whirl in the pixelated colors of my skin, my yellow curls bouncing and bobbing. My father promised me a golden dress to twirl in. He held my hand and asked me where I wanted to go. Our steps clicking on the yellow pavement stones in the yard as we stumbled through the shiny black mirror puddles. He said, it's all right if the puddles get your dress a little bit wet. Our steps accelerate, increase in scope, running forward towards kindergarten, then to school, to the army, to university, to a wedding, to children, to work, to grandchildren, to love, to sorrow, to joy, to trauma, to accidents and surprises, to disappointment and expectation and grief and excitement, to everything and all and more and more of everything. My legs keep moving in fast forward. Until I get it, a golden dress for twirling. I think I deserve it. After all, it's what my father promised me. That is a beautiful poem. That is absolutely gorgeous. I can Thank see you. her. I can see Ido. I, I can see the whole thing. And it, it's just so out there. And so everything about a relationship between a daughter and a father, it's, it's really, she's, she's special. She really is. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Now, we have a poem from the grandfather, and we have a poem from the granddaughter, and in between, there's a poem that you wrote. There actually isn't. I couldn't oh. find it. It was in the poetry journals, <laughs> but I couldn't find it online. Okay, it had well, been stop, called stop, In the Event of Your Death. <laughs> We're not going to go there I, I, No, 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 because also I think it was too sad, and I, I don't want to... Okay. I, d- I don't want to um, I'm, I'm to, do to, to muck this up with too much sadness. This is about celebrating life. It was about um, it was after my father-in-law had seen uh, had had nursed his wife until her death. And while it is a part of life, I I, I preferred my daughter's poem because it's much happier. <laughs> what I see is a very interesting line that goes straight through the generations. You both write and you both paint, and I. I I know that you're a very creative family. So to sum up now, let's give me one last thing that will just celebrate your father and we can go out of here feeling even more uplifted because it's just so fascinating that he's gone, he's ripped through the generations and he's still there. He's still there with you. Um, I could have looked at, uh, I had a little poetry journal that he, um, that he, that he gave me. He would he would publish them 
because I think he felt that his books were kind of, um, it, it wasn't a very serious literature that he wanted to do. Some of them were, but it wasn't the very serious literature that he wanted. Um, I'm not quite sure what else I can add to it other than that. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I hope the creativity is our leg- is his legacy. It really is. Whatever else there was, whatever meandering and uh, mysterious connection there is here that was so fragmented, uh, creativity is the legacy. That's very nice. Very sweet. And that concludes thank this episode you. of Heart to Heart with Michael. I want to thank Rachel Greenbaum for sharing her father, T.M. Wright, with us, and I hope her memorial has inspired those of you who are listening. Please join us at the beginning of the month for a brand new podcast, and I'll talk with you soon. But until then, remember, our loved ones are still with us as long as we keep their memories alive. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. We hope you have gained strength from listening to our program. Heart to Heart with Michael can be heard every Thursday at noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next time when we'll share more stories.